All right. Hey, guys. Hey, Internet. This is Matt Korbanek at uh, Intensify Music Talk. Check us out at MK Guitar Lessons uh, for all your online guitar lessons needs. We're here with a bunch of people today, so let's just go around the room and introduce ourselves, and this will be your assigned seats for the day. I'm Dave. I'm Max. All right. We all know Jim. We do this all the time, but you guys are from Recluse, right? Is there? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh bass band. I highly recommend it. Uh, go ahead. Uh, give yourself a plug on the website. Uh, Recluseband.com. All right. Tell, tell us about your band. I mean, because I listened to it. It's not what I would typically think is a Pittsburgh rock band. We're a four piece and I play keys and sing. Dave's the bass player and we've got drums and guitar as well. So um, we're kind of a traditional rock quartet. Um kind of you know kind of based in the 70s style like elton john um piano rock piano rock okay cool cool so you're not like that's what i mean by you know if you've been around the uh, rock scene rock scene in pittsburgh as long as well i think we're all from pittsburgh correct yeah you're not I'm dave's not, no, not. I'm, you're from i'm from york pennsylvania so it doesn't have any sort of scene at all <laughs> <laughs> But mainly, it's just you know guitar-driven rock. That's why I was thinking, you know, for, sure. for uh, the Pittsburgh scene, it's it's a little unusual, but it's good. I hear a little bit of Ben Folds Five in there too. Definitely, a yeah. big influence of mine for sure. Um, so when's that street date again? Well, we're releasing a new single on vinyl on December third, and that's at Brillo Box in Lawrenceville. Cool, cool. So why'd you want to go with vinyl? Um, we've, we've released singles on vinyl before and we're definitely planning to release our, our full length album on vinyl. Um, it's just a great way to listen to music. You have to sit down and put a vinyl on and listen to it. You can't switch the tracks real fast. It's an event, you know, when you're listening to vinyl. You know, I, I like that. That's a good point. You know, how many times do I sit there? I mean, cause now, you know, everything's on your phone. I mean, I thought it was funny. My daughter asked me today, she said, we're going to buy any C- – oh, we were watching uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, and mm. it said, oh, yeah, why is this one blank? And I said, oh, yeah, there was a CD that came with this DVD. She was like, well, where's the CDs? I'm like, we don't even have a CD player. We all listen to it on our phones. <laughs> but that's a good point is that when you're listening to vinyl, you kind of have to listen to the thing all the way through. Right. Whereas, you know, in my car, if I like that part, I can back it up again and listen to it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's something about vinyl that – it, and this might sound a little abstract or whatever, but it's a little deeper, you know, it kind of touches you in a different way, or I don't know, I find that you are kind of drawn to it a little bit more, at least for me personally, when I hear a vinyl um, in person, you know, just sitting there and absorbing it, I just find more, um, more attracted to it. In is a the sense. physicality of the media? Because it is to like th- this is actually something producing the music rather than it coming out of the ether through the speakers of, of digital ones yeah. and zeros, yeah. And I think, and I think that there's just magic in that. And I'm sure you know some some PhD could, you know, uh, do a whole doctorate on it about why that is. Did you saw? Yeah, that? it was in bars. I was just picking up some coffee on my way over here. Yeah, and I noticed that there's everybody's now releasing everything on vinyl. So yeah, it's it's making a comeback. And I, I think that's awesome. There's simplicity to it, too. I mean, yeah. there's really nothing to it with, with modern manufacturing. I mean, the cartridge, but that's nothing. You know, I mean, there's there's nothing exotic about that. I think it's just that it's so simple. I mean, with tape, eh, you know, I mean, I heard some people really into cassette tapes again. But there's there's so much with the mechanism there 
but with the the LP, it's just the simplicity of a, a spinning turntable and a a tone arm with a cartridge on it. Yeah, that that could be reproduced for a long time, even at very small scale. And the the production of the record itself is so simple. Uh, well, relatively. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's dies and and lathe yeah. cuts and everything. Um, yeah, there was. I think it's the latest. Maybe it's the latest Jack Black album, I believe, that has some cool features to it. Like some songs you can start in the middle and it goes backwards. What? Yeah. And then there's also, or one side is like that. The song starts in the middle and it goes actually like, instead of in, it's going out. So you have to reverse the turn. Yeah. And then there's another one, or actually, no, you don't reverse it. It hits the groove and it just... Oh, the grooves cut the, the other way. Cut oh, the other that's way. That's so cool about the the physicality of it. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm talking about. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's something with that. That's and there's another weird feature where they like you can take a flashlight and flash it at a certain point, and it creates this reflection of like an angel, and and it's very subtle. It's not it doesn't look like an angel. It's just kind of this cr- cross figure. But if you hit it just right at the one side, like right in the middle. And then again, it's kind of like an optical illusion, but like someone sat down and figured that out that you could do the with with vinyl, and you shine the flashlight, and you see this little like kind of white cross or angel hovering over the the center, um, the center point. It's pretty. Yeah, neat. there's like that kind of physical, like you said, that thing where you can watch it move, and it's it's like you're actually there in front of the music. Yeah, I I think it's really cool. So tell us about the band. I mean, like, what inspired you to do what you guys are doing now? And why 70s rock? <laughs> I think I, I grew up listening to a lot of 70s rock. Um, but I just I just want to write songs. And I, and uh, that's what I've always wanted to do with my life. And when I started playing with Dave and our guitarist Zub and drummer Derek, um, I had all these songs that I brought to them. And that's our first EP, which is titled Well. And uh, immediately we just clicked. You know, we, the music just sounded great. So we just kept making music. And it evolved in the way that um, the songs I was bringing to them were not, not songs I would normally write, but they were now songs that I knew that the band would sound amazing playing. And the tone shifted from just songs that I was writing in my bedroom to, you know, writing epic rock songs and, and power ballads, even things that, you know, the band did so well. So find epic, uh, epic, like, uh, arena rock, you know, theater, okay. uh, dramatic, um, you know, loud, you know, things like seven minutes. Yeah. We, well, we have a couple yeah. proggy things. Really? We do, we do have a song mm-hmm. called country mouse that we call a, a prog country epic. And, uh, it's the tale of, uh, the country mouse going to the city kind of thing. Um, and that, that is actually seven minutes long. So it's like the bohemian rhapsody of country <laughs> a little bit yeah, yeah. I mean, but with it, the mouse it has a, a country uh i mean it's a country groove in the beginning very typical kind of like a two country feel but it you know again it, it kind of slowly starts to morph and that's you know uh, like any good story the character develops and i think max did a really good job in doing that and then we convey it with our instruments you know backing him up um and then we have another song um the day before the day of the dead um, and that has a similar thing. It starts out very slow, kind of um, subdued, and then it, at the end, it's it's picking up steam. It's it's in your face by the end of the song. Cool. So, what about instrumentation? Like, does this like you're somewhat retro in in the, your your style being seventies? 
and you're you know releasing it on LP. You guys like all into tube stuff, or do you have like like modeling amps, or like what's what's what no, happens on the back end here? Do you, I, you know I mean, you're recording on a 24 track? No, I mean I play I play a a modern um, uh, Japanese Sadowski, so it's like a you know active bass, so it's not it's not very old school. I do have so you haven't old, gone like total Jack White, right? Well, I, I do have an old school. It's a lawsuit Ibanez bass. It is a 76, and I and I have used that in the past, and I've used it on some recordings. Um, like I use that for the uh, Feed Me single that has the songs Feed Me and Only You. And that was like, uh, I mean, it's technically a vintage bass. And we recorded that on tape live. Um, tape? Yeah, we recorded it on tape. And our latest album, we did it. We did multi-track the new album because we wanted to try something different in the studio. Um, but then we, um, the the great powerful dave heideck from uh, tree lady studios then takes all these digital files that he masters and then he runs them through tape to give it a vintage sound and then kind of does some last minute edits before they go to mastering but yeah we're we're we kind of pretend that we're seventies. I mean, we're not. I think, I think that's 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 the real thing. It's funny, you know. It's we get, like seventies without all the coke. Yeah, we, we <laughs> yeah we, we we always are asked about the seventies, and you know that's what the first thing I said is we're a seventies kind of Elton John type vibe. But um, that's just because where we fit in. I mean, we we play modern instruments. Um, we don't dress like we're from the seventies. Uh, you know, we don't record like kind of have the beard going a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I mean, yeah. we record digitally. Um, it's just fun, you know? And it's like, when it's, someone has to ask, like, you know, what, what kind of music do you play? I, I always say something from the 70s because it's easier than saying, well, you know, we write songs about Phil Spector murdering people or a country mouse going to the city. You know, it just kind of gives you something to latch on to, I guess. Yeah. So if you saw a band that was using, like, all vintage instruments, you know, all old tube amps and wore all denim, would you think they're wankers? No, not at all. I mean, that's that's rad. I mean, I mean if they sounded good, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, think if it's that. A, so. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. For I don't me. know. I mean, some people seem to get really caught up in in the equipment end of things rather than the music end of things. Guys like, I like can't hear that. I I don't think. I mean, it, it comes through in your playing. Though. I mean, yeah, if you, if you believe, if you believe, if you people that are obsessed with gear want want to get gear because then it makes them makes them happy you know about their playing and uh and about what they're trying to put forward so i mean more power to anyone who's trying to get vintage gear or specific gear anything they want you know i mean you're that's that's your like instrument you know that's your uh that's your extension of your body you're playing so i think that you know i think we're just a bunch of lazy bums you know i don't <laughs> think we're, we're we're not so much concerned with that but um we're, we're perfectionists in a lot of other ways you know we're very would, meticulous would you use a kemper a what? A Kemper? What's that? <laughs> oh boy! Digital bottling amp. <laughs> I, it's okay. Our guitarist wouldn't. He's very much. Uh, he's very much a vintage guy. He always. He only uses tubes. Yeah, Kemper's a, no. a brand new digital okay. thing that you can sample like amps, and it will uh, attempt to reproduce that right. that amplifier. It's, yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, uh, Zub, our guitar player. No, he's he's all about tube and. He'll he's built some of his own amplifiers. Like he'd get a kit and do stuff like that. But he's a tube guy through and through. Um, you know, he has some a couple vintage things he picks up. Uh, he picked up like uh, he, I think he had a, a vintage um, SG, 
and he has a road worn telly, but <laughs> um, it's kind of the the specs are you know the vintage specs um, from what I remember. But um, yeah, I think when it comes I mean, down to I'm not to discounting it, vintage yeah, stuff. No, I, mean, I think it, when it, it comes definitely has a sound that like came from somewhere. Yeah, no, and I and I totally respect dudes, you know, um, gearheads who are into finding those things. But I think you know that stuff's expensive; it's hard to find, and I think. You know, we're it's finicky too. Yeah, you know, it can't it can't guarantee. There's a reason that somebody came up with an improvement. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then who who you're going to go to if it breaks down? Not everyone's going to be able to fix a thirty forty I mean, even amplifier the itself. I think. Yeah, you know, sometimes there's been improvements on it that seem legit. Yeah, and I think you know to echo what Max was saying, we we just like to play and you know like to have fun. We we all do other things, but I think you know right now like recluse is our main thing as far as the four of us um, as a group. Um, Derek does some interesting side stuff. He just came out with a... a, He's in a band called Brash Teeth, uh, and they're kind of like... I don't know, what do you call them? Just punk? Garage. Garage punky, and they just came out with a total experimental album called Trump with a V in the middle. Um, It's all just like samples and you know they're just kind of a that's kind of a, one of the those side projects you just kind of do do whatever you want where i think you know we're a little more calculated with what we do in recluse you know we, we um you know we, we try to just back max up because max is the main the main songwriter you know and there's things that we're like you know we push and pull them and we're like hey we don't like this part like we want to try this out you know max is never like no, this is the way it must be. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where'd you come from? What, what's your... You had to, to define your origin point. What is your origin point? As a band? As a person. Oh, um, I, I grew up listening to the Beatles. Uh, my dad played me the Beatles when I was like five or six, listening to the White Album, and then I wanted to learn how to play Don't Pass Me By, the Ringo Starr song on that album. So... Uh, my dad had two grand pianos at his house, and um, so I just learned how to play from there. And uh, my dad's a songwriter and uh, a musician, so just kind of followed in his footsteps and just started playing music that way. Um, for me, I still remember the like Disney lullaby album that my mom would play every night as a child, like straight up still in the crib. Um, and I still remember some of those songs. I, I can't necessarily like sing them to you right now, but like they definitely laid an imprint. And some of them are real sweet. But as far as like growing up um, in little York, PA, there wasn't a vibrant music scene. There wasn't a lot of things to get exposed to as a young young kid. Um, but I, right when I started to really like get a passion for music, I was into Michael Jackson. Um, Beastie Boys, and then like Metallica and Pantera. So it was kind of like all over the place. That's and, a little bit, yeah, that's a and, little bit and, of a range. And that's where I've kind of always been. I've just been like, I just like music. And I think as a bass player, it makes sense because I just like playing, you know, music. And, you know, I would, I, I'll, you know, I'll play in a classical ensemble and then, you know, I'll, I'll play a jazz group or a fusion group and then I'll play rock stuff and like, they all, it's all a slightly different way to express yourself, a slightly different, like, avenue of emotion and, and just an approach to music, too, you know, because you can't approach those things exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say 
at a young age, like I remember like really enjoying music, just listening to it. But like, as far as playing goes, um, I think I played saxophone. I'll, I'll say that for years, just wasn't into, into it. Like I, I could read well and, you know, I kind of got some chops that way, but like I had no passion for it as, you know, growing up playing, uh, Philip Sousa, marches just quite were inspiring for an angsty teen so then i started playing guitar and then everyone else was playing guitar so like oh you look like a bass player so you have to play bass um and then i really got into punk and ska music like matt freeman from operation ivy and rancid was like one of my early bass heroes also the bass players because there's multiple ones for the band cake um they had some really funky bass lines that i cut my teeth on just like being 14 year old just like learning tabs and just, you know, taking a few lessons. So what about you and your piano playing? What about it? Okay, so um, who were some of your influences? Uh, Elton John, definitely. I mean, a big one. Um, I just like the rhythmic approach that he has to his playing. Um, I'm not very skilled when it comes to uh, soloing or adding a lot of different, like, weird colors uh, with the piano, Um, but I do love rhythms. Um, My dad was a drummer and... I also learned how to play drums when I was younger. So um, I think that that's a big part of my my piano playing is, is the percussive element to it, um, especially in my songwriting. Um, I'll sit down on a piano and just sing over the rhythms. And that's ultimately what ends up in the music as well. That's why uh, Dave and Derek and Zub add so much um, to this kind of just like simple backbone that I create with the piano. You know, the piano, okay. does, even though we're a piano rock, the piano doesn't necessarily stand out in our records. It's it's just there as the vehicle for me to write music with in a way. Okay. So how you guys have been together for how long now? Uh, a little more than three years. Three years. Um, talk about how do you guys kind of keep your core identity? And what I mean by that is when I was in a band, in the bands, it's like as the band gets more successful – it gets loud. And what I mean by that is that it's like you guys first get together and you start talking about this like idea. And as you develop your songs and you start playing out, inevitably everybody starts saying like, you know what you guys need to do, or you need to do this or so on and so forth. And before you know it, I remember my last band that I was in before I said, you know what? I've, I've had it with this before Matt stopped becoming cool. Yeah. Before I was cool. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even want to go to practice because I knew somebody was going to come in with this or somebody was going to say this or our manager wanted us to do this or this club owner told us to do this. How do you guys keep it as that original core idea? And do you, how do you guys self-correct? I mean, the, the, the thing that's been constant from the beginning is, is that I've written all the songs and that's been, that's been that the pressure has been, uh, immense as the years go by, you know, because, it, because of what you said, you have like changes, you have deadlines to make. It's not just fun anymore. So, um, uh, I guess bringing in the music and like I said earlier, um, striving to write music that I know that Dave and Derek and Zub are going to connect with, like, that's my goal as a musician. And, um, and we try very hard to, um, keep up our appearances and we try to have good release shows and we have good shows and, um, you know, get our music out to the blogs and the radios. Uh, but the first and foremost is that, is that the music is there. And, um, I think that's, that's what we're just going to keep trying to do. You know, 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, on that note, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think we just do our thing. You know, we people have suggested certain things for us, but I mean, we're just we're stubborn and we don't really listen to people very well. Um, you know, and we're not trying to like, I guess, be something we're not. You know, it's not like we're necessarily like, you know, trying to blow up and get on MTV or whatever, you know, I mean, obviously it'd be great if more people would be listening to us and that's the ultimate goal. But I, you know, I think we're just trying to be true to playing and, you know, the four of us enjoying playing. And I think we're just going to try to keep that going. Yeah. I mean, I found it, you know, that's the ultimate thing is you have to just be true to yourself, you know, especially in the hard times. Cause I mean, you know, bands don't always go exactly as planned. No, no. And to me, that's where it was. It's like we had a bad show, you know, and this guy's mad and he wants to change direction. And, you know, like I said, the club owners and so on and so forth. But that brings me to another point. Talk about the business side of it. Nobody ever thinks about this. It's, uh, it's you know, the business side's tough because you have to make it up as you go. You know, I mean, there's one way to do it. You can You can really you know, take the advice of all the business people and all the record labels. You can do exactly what you they want you to do. You can do that, or you can try to forge your own path. And I think that's what we're trying to do. We try to stay business-minded, but um, do it in the way that's true to us. You know, we want to be able to play our original music and still make money. Um, you know, it's not the same as playing cover gigs or wedding gigs, which we've done from time to time. Um, but, you know, the goal is to make a living playing our own music. And that's like, that's the, that's the main goal right now. Yeah. And a lot of the whole business side comes to the fact that you got to have a lot of money, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it's just easier if you got tons of money beforehand. Like that's why a lot of bands, like you, you know, you look at the, the top hundred billboard charts, you look where they came from. Like they either got early investments from you know some group and obviously i'm not saying there's no talent there there's obviously talent but like there's money either they they came for money or they they found people who would give them the money and that's what it comes down to and that's the way business works you got to have that initial investment um you know so we're just trying to again come up with things that are going to make people more interested in what we are um and also get out there and get a name for ourselves Where's your I, money go? Like, how does it, like, the, the tide of money? Like, money comes into the band, money uh, flows okay, out of the band. Okay, so, like, yeah, we haven't we haven't taken money from a gig in probably, what, two years? Right. So... We haven't gotten paid for no, a gig? No, 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 no. We get paid every time we play. Almost. Yeah, every time we play, we, we're paid. Okay, define, like... Taking, we take taking. we take in the money and then we reinvest it in the band. None of it. We don't. We're not like, hey, I need a hundred bucks, so like we're just gonna keep the money for this gig. Um, that that really doesn't. How do you happen reinvest anymore. it? Where, where's the money go? Like, just trace the, the so it the goes to um, recording. Go, recording. <laughs> There's the biggest one. It goes to t-shirts, merchandise, like buttons, stickers. It goes to pr- the manufacturing of the actual recordings, like CDs and vinyls. It goes to promotional materials, which could be anything from posters to actual advertisements on facebook or we've done radio ads or newspapers and that all again all costs money and they and that those and that's what you know like bigger acts national acts 
you know, they have a, a bigger budget, so they're going to be in every single newspaper, and they're going to be on the radio. So many people read read newspapers. Is it is it tough to find the outlets? City papers pretty pretty popular as far as like people trying to check out what's going on in like the local music and art scene. Um, I, I feel like if you go to like you know. Um, Crazy Mocha in Bloomfield or Lawrenceville, there that city paper is is going to be pretty much half empty because people are taking it and reading it. Uh, when I know when I lived two blocks from the one in Bloomfield, I was taking one every time. There's every Wednesday, and there's a new it's, city it's sort paper. Sort of like the the analog thing that we were to tie everything back to, to mm-hmm. the LP. You know, I mean, like you can get it on Facebook, you can get it on your phone. It's really convenient because you don't have to go pick up anything, right? Yeah, but there's something about holding it. it up, like. It's just the the user interface to that thing of flipping the pages, the analogness that works sometimes, you know. Yeah, because I I've been to the city papers website maybe like once, but I've read like hundreds of city papers, so it's just for me it's I don't know I just liked it better or like it better that way. Um, and and uh, there's just so many other other things you you got to use money for too. Um, like traveling that you don't think about, you know, going from gigs, what, eating. What do you travel with? Uh, as far do you have as a like, bus or do you have a van or? No, I used to own a van um, years ago and I don't anymore. But um, we just drive our cars, pack up pack up the vehicles. It's what We did a tour about two years ago. We had two vehicles, everything jammed in so there. So you don't use full stacks? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're, we got tiny stuff. We got tiny stuff. <laughs> As you sit in the shadow of the mighty Marshall, <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, yeah, there it's a, just to describe to everybody what's here. Um, there, there's a full stack uh, 1960 A and B cabinet with a uh, a carbon head on top of it, not not a, a Marshall head, but in our shadow. I would also like to point out that with all this stuff in the room, Jim is definitely a bachelor. <laughs> I'm definitely single. <laughs> All my stuff is in the basement. <laughs> Matt is married. <laughs> but but I, I do got to say, Jim, your cat is pretty awesome. Yeah. The, the Baron Benedict Lawrence Vaughn Spring Garden. <laughs> when I was checking out, you know, preparing for this, um, you know, watching some of your videos, I noticed. Uh, why don't you describe, like, how you think of your songwriting as it's changed and your musicianship has changed and how it influences your set list? Yeah, that's that's awesome because that's that's what I'm thinking about all the time. Um, you know, as I said, like uh, the first songs I wrote when I brought to the band were songs I wrote in my bedroom. You know, and they're songs like after mm-hmm. a breakup, and they're kind of depressing. You know, wrote them on an acoustic guitar. So, so as we started playing a lot more, uh, it just turned out that we had a lot of energy and that we were playing really loud all the time. But that's also we were always on top of the beat a lot. We had a driving energy, and it it sounded great. So um, now when we're building sets. Um, you know, some of our older material doesn't necessarily fit because it's a little more relaxed. It's a little more songwriter-ish. It's got stuff that's a little more catchy to sing along to, but a lot of the newer material is a lot more driving, uh, more epic, um, kind of uh, works together with the, the rest of the material in our set as far as, you know, keeping keeping the energy up the whole time. Because when you're, when you're playing gigs... Um, especially at bars. I mean, you, you play a couple songs and then you want to come down a little bit. You want to play something a little mid tempo. People are just going to go to the bar for that, you yeah. know, and they're not, yeah. they're not going to talk over you. And that's, that's, it, that's cool. I mean, I get it. Um, there's a couple venues that you can play where 
you can play that mid tempo mm-hmm. stuff and people will be listening, but you just got to play the game and you got to know that, you know, you got to, if you're going to a gig, you got to, you got to bring the energy. I mean, do you have songs like where you just play through them now and you go, wow, this isn't really as nearly as good as I thought it was when I first wrote it. No, no, not really? at all. I mean, um, I mean, everything that we write is, is great. Okay. So that's, that's definitely, there's definitely stuff that we have that we're still constantly working out, but that's kind of the point of playing live. in my opinion is you can, you can be in a rehearsal space playing new tunes constantly, but it's not until you start playing those tunes live that you really start saying, well, I should sing it this way, or we should all come together on this rhythm here. Um, that's when, that's when it's game time is when you're playing mm-hmm. live. So we try to play as live as much as we can and play new stuff live for that reason. Cool. Cool. I, I know when I was in a band, there were times where we played stuff. People liked it. They would request and I would just sit there and think, oh, this is terrible. I couldn't believe I actually wrote this and decided this, <laughs> that this was finished. <laughs> I think that's, that is, that's the biggest difficulty of writing and uh, writing with a band is, is, um, you know, getting over that, that initial hump of being like, um, you know, this isn't good or this is, you know, we've definitely written a couple of songs together that we've never really played live or maybe played live once and been like, okay, that's not our song. You know, we've done that before, but, um, you know, we know when it's, when the song's right and we know when our energy is there. So we've kind of, that's, that's a good, the cool thing about the band is that like, we know when, when it sounds good. So is, is it a collaborative effort when you guys write? Um, I mean, I write everything as far as lyrics and melody and chords, but then, um, to bring it to the guys, I mean, they've, they just, they bring their own thing to it. You know, mm-hmm. every one of the band has a very unique sound and, um, also arrangements as well. You know, there might be a, a measure added here or there, or there might be some sort of rhythm added. Uh, someone brings something new to the table that I could never think of playing a song by myself, you know, writing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely once it gets to the band, it becomes a recluse song and not just a Max Somerville song. Okay. When you have important. the initial ideas, how do you know what to throw away? What what tells you what to save and what to throw away? Even because a lot of great ideas started out as shitty ideas, but they were the the right idea. I like think. How do you what 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 litmus test do you use for ideas? I think it's um I've I've learned that it's the ideas has to be there when I start writing it, um, usually it's a, it's a, a melody or a chorus or but more strongly than that, like an idea, like a phrase, something that, um, is going to be the definition of the song. And from there I can just write it really quick. Um, if I'm writing something and I'm just going through chord changes and melodies and I'm trying to find a chorus, but I don't have any direction, I know it's not there. So the inspiration kind of has to come first, but sometimes you just have to keep playing and playing, but for that inspiration to hit you. But, um, if I, I, I was writing a song today actually on guitar and, uh, it had a great melody and it had a nice chorus and it was pretty chill. It was kind of a Ryan Adams countryish kind of tune. And, uh, as I was nearing finishing and I realized I was like, I, this is not something I would bring to the band. This is not something I even want to really hear again, ever in my life. <laughs> and, uh, and you just have to let it go at that point and move on. Yeah. I think. How, how do you, keep from letting the ideas become too precious oh you, you don't i mean, but I mean what 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 
think everybody has to play like a little bit of a psychological game because there's always that nagging little bit of like, eh, but I really like this. <laughs> you know, how do you how do you make that that separation? I mean, how do you what do you do like to let go when you get something that you really like? I uh, know there's something here and everybody's like, no, man, it's not there. And you're like, I think I could. But I mean, what do you what do you do? It, it's usually not like that process as much as when I have something that I hold very precious and then someone in the band says, well, let's add this part to it. You know, let's add this chord. Let's extend this outro to sound like this. And that's where I have to do a lot of letting go, you know, because to me, the most important thing in a song, especially as someone who grew up listening to pop music is, is the form of the song. And that can be a seven minute song. It can be a three minute song, but it has to like, be bookended in a way that's like, here's the beginning and here's the end and everything in the middle kind of like grows out from there. Um, so that's, that's a big part of letting go for me. Although I find literally all the time that the things that they do bring to the songs add to it and never detract from it. So that's me letting go for sure. How do you subtract ideas when, when you know you've gone too far? Um, subtract ideas, I guess, you know, built too far in the wrong direction. And it's like, it's good. Like it doesn't suck, but it's not right for here. Right. Um, that, you know, you change where you are or do you change the idea to fit where you are? You know what I mean? Do you change the, 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 the song to fit the idea or the idea to fit the song? I guess it's, it's the song to fit the idea because the idea has got to be there for me. It's. There's like a central theme in, in almost every song. And uh, yeah, so the song has to fit the idea. So you have that that like anchor point of the idea. Like right. this song is about this thing. And if anything doesn't fit with that, we, we prune it. Right. Although that's what I really love about some of our, our more progressive tunes that kind of meander a little bit is that, you know, you still have the form. It's still got like these pop sensibilities to it, but you can just you can just let go a little bit and be like, hey, I'm going to go into this little meandering kind of solo part or something that's kind of a little mystical part that, you know, you're going to get back eventually. But sometimes, you, you know, letting go is fun, you know, and that comes in a lot with the band. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think there's definitely a couple moments where we're like, you know, Dave takes some bass solos in our songs and like bass solos aren't necessarily pop friendly right and yet like we find a way to make this pop friendly and dave's not a guy who's like man i need my bass solos right now like you know like hey this is my moment it's just that you know dave likes to have fun playing bass and we love hearing him play bass solos and he's great at it and so there's moments um when maybe the song doesn't call for that but then we make sure it does by you know getting these these bass solos in there Cool. It just seems like you guys really enjoy what you're doing. That's that, yeah. and it comes it comes across in the music. I, I I really enjoy it. Thanks. Anything else? Hmm. <laughs> you want to talk to the cat? We should get. <laughs> yes, we'll just interview the cat next. <laughs> I don't think he has much to say though. Uh, um, he's not even meowing. Yeah, come to come to. Uh, Brillo Box, December third. If you hear this before December third, <laughs> wait, wait. You got you to say the year too. 
2016, the year of hell, 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 hell. It lets you have a time machine. So many good musicians, just so much weird stuff. Like I'm ready for this year. It's yes, it's been an odd year. You you really want it over? Because you don't know 2017. Maybe that's what I keep thinking. Like, oh man, maybe this is like the beginning of. Maybe this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. uh, Well, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, either way, like before the world ends, come to Brillo Box. December 3rd, uh, 2016. Uh, it's us, and it's a great band called Chet Vincent and the Big Bend. They're also releasing uh, a live album with oh, us. Cool. So it's a dual release. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of ours named James Hart will be DJing afterwards, like a little kind of after party. Rather than squeezing three bands, we're just going to huh. have two r- solid rock bands. And you guys then- all have similar styles? Or are you very different? Us and Chet in the Big Bend? Yeah, I mean, just like the whole night. I mean, the the people you play with, like, how do you see that as, like, do you you feel like when you set up a gig where you have other bands, does it have to be, okay, are you looking for other bands that are similar, or are you looking for other bands that are different, you know, like a Woodstock sort of idea, where they went all over the map with bands? we want to, you know, we've had a lot of shows with different sounding bands, because it's fun, you know? Um, but definitely with like this release, uh, the big band is, is, would you uh, open up with like a, a pirate punk band? <laughs> Bastard bearded Irishman. Uh, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, that's the closest, uh, analog, or uh, closest thing in Pittsburgh. Ailstorm was Ailstorm. Yeah. I think Ailstorm. I saw Hail, them at Hailstrom? The yeah. Hailstrom. They're from York PA. Um, no, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't open up for them or vice versa. I don't, I don't think that would be a good fit. Um, and we've done it before. We've played festivals where it's like all sorts of groups. But I think, you know, we try to find some continuity between uh, people we play with. Fans that are going to want to buy our stuff, too, that, that yeah. we don't know that they're going to be bringing in. And and I feel like that's a smarter way to book gigs. But we're, we're definitely open to it at times. But I think at times you got to balance that out a little bit. So do you find in the music scenes that you guys are willing to all work together? Or is it like, you know, one band wants to take over? No, no. Everyone's cool. Yeah, Pittsburgh's chill. I mean, it's yeah, it's great. We all all play together and of all all different genres. As long as they're not from Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no one's like, no, we're the best band in Pittsburgh, so... We're going to go out there and, you know, have this attitude. I, I've met no bands like that in Pittsburgh. Cool. Um, everyone's everyone's chill. And, we're, you know, we're all different styles. Like, we hang out, you know, we all hang out together at festivals when we're there. And it's, like, 10 bands, like, at Deutschtown or uh, Statistic Fest. And, like, we're all like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, you know, play the grand piano, you know, play with them. And we're great friends with them. And they're, like, experimental rock um, and then we'll, we were in bands with Colin Hart, who's basically uh, kind of like a, a revival soul rock group, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and we're, you know, really dear friends with them, you know, so it, it just spans all sorts of um, thing, all sorts of genres. And really what I want to say is, you know, like, go out and see local music. Like if you're not in Pittsburgh or wherever you are, like there's people like busting their ass and there's stuff you've never seen before, you know, and it's not. It might not be as polished as some, you know, stuff you're going to see like Rihanna do or um, 
Kanye West or whatever, but that's the beauty of it. It's going to be something you've never seen before. So, you know, just stick your neck out there, you know, bring a friend and go see a live show. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Go and support live live local music. Unless you're married and bored, boring like Matt. Yeah. Who does yeah. nothing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Even if you are, like, get a babysitter, have have a good night out with your, your sweetheart, you know. Like. Matt's still shoveling the Metamucil into his glass. <laughs> <laughs> he needs the extra fiber, folks. Yeah. All right, so what was that again? Well, one more last plug for the show and the website. Uh, we're Recluse, and that's two words, Rec, W-R-E-C-K, Loose, L-O-O-S-E, and our website is recluseband.com. Well, thanks, guys, for coming out. Um, Thank you. All right. I'm Matt Korbanek, and um, go ahead. Jim. All right, and this is Intensify Music Talk. Once again, we are at mkguitarlessons.com for all your online guitar lessons needs, and we are out of here.